I could stop it right there and I think you'd all be satisfied, but. Well, is the man, the establishment, other people, are they the root of our disappointments? I gotta tell you a little story. One year into our marriage, I was suffering from a bad case of great expectations. Sitting at a park in Denver, where we were living at the time, I began writing a letter to a friend of the offenses that were done to me. It was not my best moment, okay? It's embarrassing to realize the immaturity that was in place at the time and the the self-focus that would allow me to take such a wrong turn. Larry Crabb has written a book called Inside Out, which is a must-read for anybody that is serious about addressing matters of the heart. In it, he outlines components that typify our flesh. Our flesh refers to uh, those self-dependent ways that we try to, to deal with things without God. He mentions a couple things like demandingness, and comparisons. So for instance, when I compare myself with others, usually that's a way to make me feel better about myself or if I'm so inclined to feel much worse about myself. Or when I demand from others, I'm trying to manage other people for my benefit, however I may perceive that at the time. And both of these are fleshly responses of trying to deal with things independent of our relationship with Christ. Uh, his crab says, and I really like this quote, says, sin is not just what you do wrong. It's looking at God and saying, you're not enough. And I'm going to find some way to make my life work without you. Hmm. Well, listen. I was putting sin to paper when I was on that Denver bench, writing all of my offenses out. There was a leadership magazine for pastors that had this quote, the main emotion of the adult American who's had all the advantages of wealth, education, and culture is guess what? Disappointment. Really? I mean, if that's the case, How does a church respond to the disappointment that seems to be in every human heart when, if we're Americans, we have it pretty dang good, right? And yet there's still great disappointment. I mean, is it the church's job to create this, you know, triumphant jamboree every week so that you just forget about it? I think for those that are thoughtful, deep-thinking Christians, they find that way too surfacy and, and sentimental. Do we deny the longings and pains and anesthetize them with just religion and more moralizing, you know, to make ourselves feel better? Because we're not like those other people, you know. Is that what we're trying to do here? Now, I know I think about these things 90% of the time, and I realize you just come to church on Sunday for you know, an hour and a half, and you probably don't think of these things like I do, but this is what I do, so just indulge me. 
But here's, here's my question. Can there really be a reality in Christ that is found where he satisfies our deepest longings, or are we just fooling ourselves around here? Can that truly take place? I'm here to tell you. I'm here to shout it from the mountaintops. Absolutely yes. And there are hundreds of demonstrations of that who come to Christ Community Church. Not that life is easy. I'm not saying that. But we have found in Christ a very deep satisfaction. And I guess if I had a a bullseye today for this message as we're kind of at the halfway point in 2019 talking about the the state of the union of the church, that would be my bullseye. Let us remember to find Christ as our satisfaction. But I realize we're living in the real world. I realize we don't always experience that. But many of you have walked the Christian life for many years, and you've come to realize that Christ indeed is your life. And instead of pat Christian answers, you have turned to a a deep, abiding walk with Jesus. You have turned to vulnerable relationships with others, and you are sick of playing the church game. I applaud you. Keep it up. And there are hundreds of you that I applaud. And I I hope that you hear an encouraging spirit with what you're going to hear today, because it really is. Because as I think of what the church should and can be, I see that's what we are and becoming and growing in, and I'm greatly encouraged in that. So I want to applaud you in that. Many of you have grown and and matured because of committed relationships. You have reaped the rewards. And your growth does not come from hopping from one experience to the next, whether that be Sunday morning or whatever, but from facing your fears, facing your disappointments in honest and vulnerable community. And let me tell you something. When you taste that, you don't want to go back to any lesser version. I don't give a crap whether there's smoke on the stage or lights or whatever else, or we're titillated by what goes on here. What I care about is that deep, abiding relationship with Christ that's experienced. And when we get together, we taste it with one another and in, in this community. So we don't want to be beguiled by a lesser version. And many of you are stumbling over the fact that I just said crap about two minutes ago, but get over it. <laughs> okay. You know, Janet and I have been the beneficiaries of decades of loving, committed relationships here at Christ Community Church. I mean, it, it is just amazing to me. We, we've been here for over 30 years. And there are, there are people who speak into our kids' lives, and, you know, we just pound it. We've said it to them 100 times. And one of you says something, and the, our kid will say, hey, you know, I've never heard that before. And we're like, what? I've been saying this. That's the benefit. You know, our kids have grown up with a, a variety of people they might not normally meet. They might not normally hang out with, but they they benefit from 
that rich diversity. And as a church, we've experienced a euphoria of, of big things being accomplished, you know, whether it's a, you know, building a facility or going on a trip to minister to other people outside of a country or, or seeing the, you know, uh, a life racked by sin and, and coming to Christ and changed. We see incredible results of improving the plight of kids in our community who couldn't read and seeing in a particular school you know, that improved and then 100% of these kids able to read, those are, those are great benchmarks. Or providing for a family whose house burned down or, or helping the unemployed get jobs like this year with the uh, Jobs for Life um, program that many of you are involved in personally and giving to. We've seen great moments that, with VBS this past year. The the joy of the service of people, the attitude around here. I mean, I got to tell you, I was just so thrilled. You don't always see that. And you see the, the way it was run. And, and I heard somebody told me, I didn't talk to this lady, but apparently she runs an event with thousands of people. She goes, you know, I've been around to a lot of different VBSs. I've never seen a better one run than this one. And I, I, I love our leaders that are able to, to put all of that uh, together. We've seen great strides in our community in addressing the race issue. These are great milestones. But listen, we've also walked with others who've experienced great pain, great loss, right? Um, they're suffering from family breakups or maybe an illness or, or job loss. And these moments, they stretch us, they, they test us. You know, they, they test our resolve. So our experiences have been a mixed bag. There have been, you know, some victories and, and some trials. And we read this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What is so cool about that is Christ is the bullseye. So you got all these trials, but it's like, okay, I want you to see Christ. So, you know, as we mull over these things and I ask myself, well, then how can we assess Christ Community Church? How can we see whether, you know, in 2019, whether we're getting anywhere, making progress or accomplishing the things that God really wants us to accomplish? And I think one of the things that, um, I don't know if it's necessarily unique with us, but one of the things I love about CCC is that our metrics are largely relational. And I think that's the way it should be. And I think when you've been here a while, you tend to forget about that and, and you forget the value that those qualities hold. And I often hear from people. I don't always tell you these things because it always sounds like I'm bragging. I don't mean to do that. But what it is is a way of saying, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you have established. And so it, it, it's a way to, to recognize that. But I often hear people say, these people here are so authentic and real. Or I've never been to a church where people are so willing to help. Or I felt so loved. Or I can't wait to go to my life group that has been my go-to place of, of fellowship and care. Or the worship here is so real and sincere. I hear these comments a lot. 
but they don't happen in a vacuum. And we're thankful that God has done that work. And of course, he is the one that deserves that because he's the one that's working in and through us to produce those results. But it does not happen in a vacuum. No size of church or money or program guarantee those results. They're in larger churches or smaller churches. However, we have to be intentional about cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit. And leaders have to expect and inspect fruit that aligns with these relational aspects that I'm about to give you. I mean, in relationships and in church life, listen, we reap what we sow, not just what we wish for, not just what we market. It's what we sow. Here's a sampling of some of the questions we have to ask ourselves around here. And again, I know that these are pastor geek questions, but I I think that this is important for us to know because I I want you to know kind of what's driving the train, okay? Is the word of God being accurately and consistently taught so that people can grow in maturity? I mean, that goes for children's ministry, adults, One of the things that was so cool about VBS, I just love this, is the way the gospel was presented in the different stations and and to see how it built from the Old Testament to then the New Testament towards the end of the week and the gospel so clear. I have never seen a better presentation of the gospel presented than what it was there in the VBS. It was amazing. It was so cool to witness. Um, Are the people of CCC involved in ongoing relationships with unchurched people? Are there proactive measures to assist families in in marriage and parenting? Is unity being experienced? I just talked about experienced in the body of Christ. Are the present elders relating well to others and leading with authenticity? Is the staff team united in purpose and heart? Are the life groups functioning at a healthy level where relationships are growing and needs are being addressed? Are the life groups and the church as a whole making connections in the community to meet real needs in that community? Do our mission efforts accomplish long-term relationships where enduring transformation is take, uh, taking place? Or do we you know, just go in, drop off some people, take them out a week later, and that's it? Are leaders being trained, established, and released? Are ministry teams functioning at a high level with new people being given opportunities to serve? Is there a culture of service being established so that people feel a part of the mission of this church? Are life groups reproducing so that new people can be established in the community of the body of Christ? Are people on ministry teams being nurtured and encouraged in their service? Are the people of CCC being more reliant upon the Lord through prayer? Are disciples being made, people growing in long-term relationships that deepen and improve over time? See, what I want you to be able to do is to reap the fruit that Janet and I have experienced over 30 years of being here. Because, you know, we're not always going to be here. The Lord's going to take us someday. 
And I want you to be able to enjoy the fruit of those long-term relationships that have been poured into our life. Now, these are the kinds of questions that I think drive us. And these questions address key aspects of our mission, which is to equipping, empowering people in their God-given gifts to advance the kingdom of Christ. You know, it's becoming increasingly aware to me that as a church, we can't be swayed by a program, uh, just outward performance-based model that does not produce committed disciples because that's what we need to be doing. People being, listen, people being satisfied with programs titillated with a Sunday morning performance, that's not a part of our vision or goals. Advancing the kingdom of God is not equated with busyness. Let's take a tip from the book of Acts. As we've gone through the book, I think we've learned anything. If we've learned anything, it's that by operating in the filling of the Holy Spirit, it involves a lot more than our posture in Sunday morning worship or the length and volume of songs that we are singing on a Sunday morning. The work of the Spirit is not always marked by the expression of one gift. It's marked by a variety of behaviors and attitudes that have been expressed throughout the book of Acts and that are specifically connected to the filling of the Spirit. So we have to take a a holistic approach and not relegate the Spirit through just some narrow, narrow way. So we exhibit the filling of the Spirit by relating well to one another, by how we sacrifice for one another. Listen to this. Here's one example. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. I could camp right there. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of prayer going on. People were moved. They were filled with the Spirit. And then what took place? And continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need." Notice the filling of the Spirit was marked with how they operated with the Word of God. With unity, that means the relationships that they were enjoying with one another, with generosity, with with meeting the needs of the people around them, and with prayer. And did you notice, this wasn't just a fraction of the church, okay? It says this was the full number of the believers. This was not... 10% of the church that was serving, we show it up on a video screen and try to market it to everybody, look at our church when the other 90% are sitting on their butts. That's not what was taking place. 
This was not a marketing ploy. This was a real thing that the majority of the church was serving. And we can't be fooled by Facebook posts, carnival barkers, any kind of promotion. We have to be honest about who we are, where we're going, and what the current state of affairs is. And having said all that, I got to tell you, I am so thankful for what God has done and is doing through you. Greatly encouraged in creating an authentic community of people who love the word of God and are authentically concerned about living it in their families and in our community. You know how many pastors would die to have a job like mine that I've got here? I mean, I gotta tell you, I'm loving it, right? And it's because of you. Jan and I had dinner with about 20 people at our house this past week. And they were sharing how their relationships with one another had been deepened and how they felt better equipped to face the challenges of of family and, and ministry up ahead. Committed, intentional relationships, sacrificial Uh, a sacrifice of time that they made. They had a year commitment to do this, and this was kind of the wrap-up. Focus upon the Word of God. These were some of the elements that this group had had experienced. And it, it reminds me that there's no such thing as consistent spiritual results when we don't commit time, we're unwilling to sacrifice, and we don't prioritize our schedule for committed relationships in the body of Christ. We are fooling ourselves to think we can just come on a Sunday morning and experience all that the Christian life has for us when we're unwilling to prioritize our schedules and make sacrifices. And often when our priorities are misaligned and we don't establish well-worn Spiritual growth patterns, you know what we do? We have a tendency to blame the entities we are involved in. It's my wife's fault. It's my family's fault that I don't experience these things. Okay? It's Trump's fault. It's the church's fault. And we think that, you know what? We've been put in the place by the man. We blame the man, right? And I'm not saying that none of that takes place and and that other people are not letting us down, but listen... (laughs) newsflash, we all feel disappointed, right? And you know what that does, though? It can develop in us keen analytics toward everything but our own heart and responsibilities. And that's what can't happen. So if we have a, a commitment to anything, Halfway through 2019, it's let's put those keen analytics on our own heart and on what we're doing to sacrifice, to improve our own spiritual progress and the community that we're involved in. Listen, I'm so familiar with the self-focus because I've done it. I'm so familiar with blaming my wife for this or that or blaming Everything else, the, my job, you know, my spiritual walk on something else. And it's petty, and it's immature, and you get stuck. So I'm familiar with it. Maybe God allows us to feel this dissatisfaction 
to realign our hearts and efforts toward Christ. Do you ever think of that? Again, it's not that other entities are all doing their job. In fact, again, most of the time, we're dealing with humans and disappointment is, is a constant reality. But instead of denying it, instead of putting layers of evangelical busyness and moral superiority on top of it, could God maybe have us just face the disappointment? I mean, I wish I knew back when I was writing that letter on that Denver bench what I know now. That God wants to direct my heart and help me direct my tribe that I'm responsible for to respond in ways that finds our satisfaction in him. To continue to trust him in the midst of these committed relationships that I'm involved in. And you know what I find when I'm in that zone. When I have, when I have focused on Christ, you know what I find? Contentment. The circumstances have not changed. But I experience contentment. Not laziness. Don't think that's contentment. Not ceasing to strive to improve. That's not contentment, okay? Rather, a true contentment that views Christ is my life and joy because I don't always get my way. People don't always do what I want them to do. I'm not always satisfied. But in the end, none of these things get me off the hook to find my contentment in Christ. And listen, the more, I want you to write this down, the more I find my contentment in Christ, the less I load up my expectations on others around me. The less demanding I am. We like telling people how they need to do their job. You know, the more contentment I have in Christ, the less I want to do that. And by the way, the less complaining I do too. And I become a life giver, not a life sucker. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Well, that's a good Bible verse, isn't it? But is it reality? Is it reality? Is it really my experience when I don't get from my job what I want? When my spouse disappoints me? When I'm not making enough money? when I don't like the political system, when my church disappoints me, when my kids complain, is Christ really supplying every one of my needs? Can I truly look to him and still find contentment? I think disciples of Jesus are familiar with questions like this. What sacrifices am I making today to mature my walk with Christ? and advance the kingdom of God. And I find that a lot of people don't want to ask those kinds of questions. You know why? Just don't have the time. I just don't have the willingness to consider such things because life is too busy, right? I've got other important things to take up my time than to be thinking about all that church stuff. <laughs> so that's why I stand before you today and I want to thank the hundreds of you who ask that question of yourself 
and who are advancing in spiritual maturity, and you're advancing the kingdom of God. And that's why I can stand before you today and say, I got the best job in the world. It's not that CCC has the corner on the market, not that way at all. But at this halfway point, I think it's worth noticing that God has done a great work. And we thank him for that. And it should remind us of why we gather and what our mission is as we move forward. So maybe for us to finish strong in 2019, we have to again remind ourselves, we have to deny ourselves of some things to find our contentment in Christ. Right? I mean, if Christ said you gotta die to self, you gotta take up your cross, uh, I think we probably ought to take that seriously. And when we do, you know what I find? When we've addressed the hard issues, then service, community, generosity, prayer, sacrifice, all of those are, are, are welcomed. And what I want to do is just look to Christ and see him do things that I never would have imagined him doing because they're so big. I never would have thought of doing it in my own power. But I can watch him change a life, change the heart of, of people that I'm involved with. That's pretty cool. Uh, we certainly have many goals as we started the year. Uh, our leaders here are just improving the effectiveness of key areas, but, but nothing trumps what I'm talking about here today, focusing on Christ. And again, halfway through this year, I just want to applaud you and thank you because I love this church and I love my brothers and sisters here. And it's hard to imagine doing life without you. And I thank God for the privilege to serve you. I read at the beginning of the year a quote from Eugene Peterson. And I want to read it again because I think it kind of puts uh, on paper some thoughts that uh, I certainly agree with most of what he has to say here. Peterson has a way of kind of getting underneath the surface of things. And it was from his book, The Jesus Way. And he's addressing how the American church's fascination with consumerism might not always intersect with what the Bible is asking us to do as, as a church. This is what he says. It didn't take long for some of our Christian brothers and sisters to develop consumer congregations if we have a nation of consumers, obviously the quickest and most effective way to get them into our congregations is to identify what they want and offer it to them. Satisfy their fantasies. Promise them the moon. Recast the gospel in consumer terms. Entertainment, satisfaction, excitement, adventure, problem solving, whatever. This is the language we Americans grow up on. The language we understand. We are the world's champion consumers. So why shouldn't we have state-of-the-art consumer churches? Given the prevailing uh, conditions in our culture, this is the best and most effective way that has been devised for gathering large and prosperous congregations. Now, you maybe could have said that a little better because I don't think we want to say that every large congregation is doing that because it can be any size congregation that can be on that uh, train of consumerism, but nevertheless goes on and says, Americans lead the world in showing how to do it. 
There is only one thing wrong. This is not the way in which God brings us into conformity with the life of Jesus and sets us on the way of Jesus' salvation. This is not the way in which we become less and Jesus becomes more. This is not the way in which our sacrificed lives become available to others in justice and service. The cultivation of consumer spirituality is the antithesis of a sacrificial deny-yourself congregation. A consumer church is an antichrist church. Yikes. We can't gather a God-fearing, consumer-worshiping congregation by cultivating a consumer-pleasing, commodity-oriented congregation. When we do, the wheels start falling off the wagon. End quote. Now, you may have to ponder that and the implications of that, but as a pastor, let me tell you, I think about this kind of thing all the time. Are we just catering, or is this truly something that the Spirit of God is moving in to have us do? Will this help us make disciples, or does this just put butts in the seats? Because those are two different things. Now, I want the church to grow just like anybody else. I'd love, you know, new buildings, whatever. But my dear friends, all of us know that doesn't mean we're doing a good job of being a New Testament church. You can have all that and not be making disciples. You can have all that and be relationally sick, and it happens a lot. Doesn't matter what size church. So what I'm after is, let's shoot for having the good relational health, and let's see what God can do with that. Because, listen, you know, I, I could be up here standing up before you, saying all this, and then be a jerk to my wife, be a jerk to my staff, commanding them, instructing them, yelling at them, and put on some show before you here today. But that is inauthentic. That is not the way it should be. What we want when we speak of authenticity is, I'm the same guy at home and at work as what I am here. And the same for you, that you're the same person in your home and when you show up here and in our life groups, that we're, we're being vulnerable. When we have issues, when we have problems, we're open with each other. I don't mind telling you that we've had issues in our marriage. I don't mind telling you issues we've had with our kids because that's life, and all of you have had those, and so have I. And I don't do anybody a service by trying to act otherwise. That doesn't help anybody. That's what we mean by authenticity. So let us welcome the way of Jesus and deny ourselves. More of him, less of us. And let us embrace the hardships as a passage to the reality of Christ as our life. Because sometimes I don't know it any other way than to go through hardships. And I realize once again, wait a minute, my satisfaction is in him. So let's make that our bullseye for the rest of the year. Let's pray.